Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, we are putting a bow on Las Vegas Summer League. The studs, duds, and surprises from Timberwolves Summer League. We're going to break it all down on the show today. It's all coming. Welcome in. You are Lockdown Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Happy Tuesday, everybody. And a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find this one. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. If you have a Roku or an Amazon Fire TV, go ahead and download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app. You can watch Lockdown Wolves along with all the other Minnesota Lockdown podcasts. More great local sports coverage 24-7 for free. Download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon, and that's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Las Vegas Summer League is over, and uh, the, I mean, a lot a lot to talk about. Yes, the Wolves went one and four, but there were some bright moments, and it was a ton of fun watching, certainly uh, Leonard Miller. It was a ton of fun watching a couple of other guys we're going to talk about here today. And um, there were also some surprises. There were a couple of guys that disappointed based on expectations going back a couple of weeks to my Summer League preview. So I want to kind of cover all that on the show here today. This will be it for Summer League. Um, and then we're going to move forward and look pretty pretty much only at the uh, at the actual Timberwolves roster. I want to do a little bit more draft conversation, a little more kind of rehashing of free agency. We'll review where the Wolves are at roster-wise. They do have a spot open, and they have a two-way contract spot. Talk about cap space, all that stuff upcoming. We are still daily, by the way, through the rest of July, and of course, taking you through the rest of the offseason. So um, plenty to get to, but today will be the final bow on Las Vegas Summer League 2023. So Let's start with the studs of Summer League for the Wolves, um, and then we'll get to the duds, and then we will get to, actually, we'll get to the intriguing slash surprises next, and we'll close with the duds. Um, so that's what we'll do here today. And uh, this isn't really in any particular order, because um, there's a couple ways we could look at this, right? Like, we could talk about who is actually the, you know, the best three players on the floor for the Wolves in Las Vegas Summer League, like for that team, or we could talk about the summer league performances that were perhaps most important for a player with a future on the Timberwolves specifically. I think those are two different things, but for the most part, I think it's the same three guys in, in some order. Um, I thought maybe the best all around player, it it was probably Brandon Williams, right? He was injured in the fourth game and, and missed the fifth game. But I think in terms of all around production, Brandon Williams was the best player on the floor consistently for the Wolves. I've said this before, um, I said this before Summer League, and I said it during Summer League. I don't really particularly care for him as an NBA point guard. I think he's kind of like a third-string type guy. I don't think he fits the Wolves. I don't think he gets the two-way spot that's available. I do hope he latches on somewhere. I mean, he's a he's a, a good story. Um, and clearly, he can play at the NBA level. I just don't—I'm not a super big fan of his game, and I don't think he fits the Wolves well. But let's talk about him first. He had a really, really strong summer league for the Wolves. Again, played in four games and missed the last one. 
He led the team in scoring average. Um, he was at 17.3 points per game, played 24 minutes a game, which was fourth on the team, averaged, or, or I should say, shot 52% from the field, 31% from three, um, got to the line five and a half times per game, which led uh, led the Wolves Summer League team in terms of free throw rate and three and a half assists, one and a half steals per game, just one and a half turnovers per game. He basically was what I thought he was, although he was a bit more efficient from the mid-range and getting downhill to the basket than I was expecting. Uh, the three-point shooting, about what I expected, 31%, obviously small sample. We're talking four games. Um, and what did he shoot? 16 threes. So he was um, the quick math. I'm not going to try and do the quick math. Well, yeah, sure. Why not? What is that? Six, six of uh, 16, something like that um, from three. So basically what I expected, he was good in the mid-range, had a couple of nice... Um, isolation moves where he broke down the defender and got to the basket. But that's exactly the sort of things the Wolves don't need from a 6'2 point guard, right? Um, Timberwolves have Mike Conley as their starter. They have a bench unit that, whether it's Jordan McLaughlin that actually sees minutes at the point guard spot, if it's Nikhil Alexander-Walker or Shake Milton initiating offense, or if it's Anthony Edwards initiating offense with the second unit, they don't need another point. Jordan McLaughlin is their 6'2 point guard that can create. They don't need a scoring 6'2 guard. Uh, you know, not the same player, but effectively a smaller version of Jalen Noel in terms of what they would provide, right? That's the idea behind Brandon Williams. He's obviously a traditional point guard, much more so than Jalen Noel, but I would still argue he's a shoot first guy. So he was really good in summer league. There's no doubt about that. And I hope, and I think he will latch on somewhere. Played a lot in the G League the last couple of years. Of course, he's the one who started 20 sub games for Portland at the end of the 21-22 season. Um, but, I, you know, had a good summer, Probably the best, you know, minute for minute, pound for pound player on the floor for the Timberwolves in summer league. In terms of doing the most for their future for the Wolves and maybe impressing beyond expectations, I would honestly say Leonard Miller. Um, and this is, again, we could talk about this, depending on how you slice and dice this, I think we're talking about the same three guys, right? Because I could also say the player who coming out of summer league is the most likely to get rotation minutes of anyone on the summer league roster, I would tell you it's Josh Minot. But I would also say that Leonard Miller, the, whatever I said a second ago about, I thought he did the most for his quote-unquote stock moving forward, if you will, um, relative to expectations. And maybe it shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, Leonard Miller and Josh Minot had similar professional experiences last year. Yes, Minot was a, employed by the Minnesota Timberwolves, but he didn't play a ton at the NBA level. He played more significant minutes when he was on the roster of the G League team, when he was available for the Iowa Wolves. Leonard Miller spent the whole season as a professional after having played low to mid-level amateur basketball in Canada. And he just had a, a, a further way to go last season and seems like he got all the way there. Like the best case scenario. Now, yeah, he wasn't drafted until the second round, but Leonard Miller improved so dramatically last year that maybe it's not a surprise that he looked so comfortable in summer league, but he was really, really, really good. 15.4 points per game, 44% shooting, 36.8% from outside the arc. He was, for all intents and purposes, the Wolves' best three-point shooter in summer league. More on that later, because that, to me, was the most disappointing thing about summer league. Um, he got to the line about three times a game, was 86% there, eight rebounds per game. I uh, was buoyed quite a bit by some uh, volleyball he played with himself on the offensive glass late in summer league, but still active on the glass. That matters uh, about one and a half assists and one and a half steals per game, just under a block per game too. 
turned it over a little bit much, but I mean, the Wolves wanted to see him try and play make, and I don't think he's he's certainly not going to have that role at the NBA level this season. Uh, Miller's not, but um, I was impressed with his with his feel in the half court, and really, honestly, it was his defense that impressed me the most. And a lot of the scouting reports coming out of the G League were that he had flashes on that end, but was kind of spacey sometimes with on ball defense, and, and even off ball defense wasn't consistent. I thought his off-ball defense was fantastic for for much of summer league. The rotations, understanding where and when he needed to be, um, low man help, uh, xing out, like all that stuff are concepts the Wolves use quite a bit in Chris Finch's schemes. Um, and, and Leonard Miller looked very comfortable doing that in Las Vegas summer league. And, and again, certainly a different animal than actual NBA basketball. But to me, that showed more awareness and understanding of the scheme what the Wolves are trying to do than what I was led to believe he had based on his G League play um, and a limited amount of G League action of his that I watched last year. Um, he like This was just a solid all-around summer league performance. And, and sure, it would have been great if he was you know dominant in a game or two. Um, but he was just solid all the way around and I think a little better than I anticipated in terms of offensive feel and defensive intelligence and defensive IQ, if you will, knowing where to be and when are the things that were most important or most impressive to me. And I mean, it's also like those are the things that are most important for him to get onto the floor, certainly as a rookie, if that is to ever happen. He's got to show that he can guard. He's got to show that he can defend in a team concept. He's got to show that he can fit in the flow of an offense without being the focal point of an offense. Now, he was never the true focal point um, in the G League last year because he played with Scoot Henderson, obviously, but um, one of the focal points, and and he's not going to be option one, two, three, or four when he gets on the floor for the first time in the NBA. So being able to play a role, which is something his G League coaches talked about him being able to do last year, if he could do that at the NBA level, this was a really solid and encouraging summer league, in my mind, for Leonard Miller to 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 see what that could look like for him this year. All right, let's talk about Josh Minot. He's my third stud from the um, from the Summer League. We'll talk about two players that intrigued me uh, in Summer League and, and I think are both options for the third and final two-way contract slot on the Timberwolves. And we'll talk about the duds of Summer League who disappointed me the most. So we'll do all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Prize Picks. If you're not familiar with Prize Picks, it is the best... Um, the best way that you can play fantasy and uh, you know not commit to a full season, right? Like we've all played some of these similar games and we played against professionals. It's a tough time, right? Professionals are, you know, professionals and you and I are not when it comes to playing um, fantasy in this way. Uh, it, it's super easy to play. Just go to prizepicks.com or download their app. You pick two to six players, by the way, not just basketball, obviously, and any sport really. And if they'll score more or less points than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. And again, you're not competing against other people like the professionals. It's you versus the projections available. So the numbers that prize pick sets, that's what you're playing against. And it really is any sport like NFL's upcoming. Yes, uh, baseball's ongoing. Um, PGA, like any golf action, college sports, um, including the WNBA, including uh, tennis, European basketball. So I would imagine FIBA World Cup's going to be 
uh, something you can play on there here soon too. Uh, you can make your entry in less than 60 seconds. It really is that easy. Simply download the Prize Picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit matchup to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, Prize Picks will give you $100. If you deposit $50, Prize Picks will give you $50. Don't forget to enter your promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every dayers tomorrow on the show, we're going to continue the offseason conversation. We're going to talk free agency, um, kind of re like it's been a couple weeks since we've really talked about the roster spots available for the Wolves, what they still need, uh, what they have available to spend. And um, we'll also later this week talk more about the free agents they did sign. Uh, so a little bit more on Shake Milton and Troy Brown Jr. after having a bit more time to kind of unpack those signings and the potential rotation for the Wolves. So all that's upcoming this week, again, still daily for the next couple of weeks here through the month of July. So make sure to uh, to stay tuned here all week. All right, uh, my third stud from the Summer League play was Josh Minot. I thought he was really solid, and, and I believe that he came out of Summer League proving some of the stuff we heard Chris Finch say in, a, in the TV interviews he gave on NBA TV and some of the stuff that I said before Summer League. And actually, Minot said himself, there was a quote he gave after one of the games uh, where he basically said, hey, here's a list of the things the coaching staff wants me to do. They were all things I mentioned before Summer League as like, hey, these are this is what we need Josh Minot to do. We need him to be able to be switchable, uh, versatile defensively. We need him to step out and hit a three when he's asked to do that. But primarily, it's, being active on the glass, being active in passing lanes, wreaking havoc in the open floor, um, uh, defensively mostly, but also in transition on offense. And he did those things in the summer league. He averaged a team high 28 minutes per game, second on the team next to Brain Williams and scoring 16.4 points per game. He did play in all five contests. Uh, he shot 46% for the field, which is, which is good. Um, only 12% for three. I think he was two of 16, if I'm not mistaken, from three, um, 76% at the line though. He was uh, third in terms of free throw rate, or at least free throw, I guess free throws attempted per game more accurately on the Wolf summer league team. And he averaged just a hair under six rebounds per game, a block and a half per game, and just under a steal per game. Um, those averages to me are really, really solid. The rebounding was good. You know, you'd like to see a little more. Um, yeah, two of 16, by the way, from I was just making sure. Two of 16 from three for Minot. That's the only thing he didn't do that I wanted to see more of from Josh Minot was making threes. He did everything else as expected. There were a couple of kind of lazy point of attack defense moments, and, and I mentioned those on Monday's show. There was one in the last game against Charlotte on Saturday where he like X out to the corner, the right thing to do. But he tried to make the guy go baseline, and he, he the the ball handler just went around him on the top side, like towards the middle of the floor. So he couldn't even he didn't even like do that. He didn't even seal him to the baseline and get beat baseline. He just got beat where he was set up. It was a really poor possession, and and like that happens, right? Um, but it better not happen with frequency if you're trying to crack the rotation in in the NBA. So you know some of the point of attack defense stuff. There's improvement to be had, but. I think it's the off-ball defense, um, the uh, quickness, athleticism, length, anticipation to tip balls and jump passing lanes and get out and transition, to help side blocks. I mean, some of the help side block shots, he had a couple of really spectacular ones in Summer League. And the ability to just dunk on people, catch lobs, the feel to to be in the dunker spot. 
Um, I, I mentioned offensive field with Leonard Miller. I'd say the same with Josh Minot, which are things that I said a couple weeks ago I wanted to see from those guys in the summer league. Minot, I, I don't know the actual number, but I'd say he got two to four buckets per game on just slipping screens in pick and roll. Um, if you're not familiar with the term, basically going up to set a screen and then slipping out of it before you actually set the screen. So like right before you feel the contact of the def- of the um, the defender, you dart to the basket and can get a lob or a pass in stride um, and get a cheap bucket that way. And most guys, you're not going to slip a screen more than I don't know, 10 to 20% of the time, right? It, it depends on the player, obviously. But mine, I was slipping screens like more than half the time, it seemed like, in summer league. And with his size and athleticism, and of course, these teams they were playing against didn't exactly have cohesive defensive units. Um, he got a bunch of easy baskets that way. But it's also a skill, right? I'm not just saying like he, you know, he got open layups because, you know, they schemed them for him. I, like his timing and feel on that was really impressive. And the ability to catch and finish is impressive. Like we've seen the Wolves try and do that stuff with Jared Vanderbilt and even sometimes Rudy Gobert. And at the moment, Josh Minot looks like he's got certainly the best hands better than Vanderbilt and and Gobert for his size and everything has good hands. But Minot, I don't know that I remember seeing him fumble a pass in summer league. Um, And also his ability, there were a couple of instances kind of middle of summer league that I recall him rolling correctly or slipping and or slipping a screen. And then, if it's not there, if the spacing is tight, fading into the dunker spot, allowing just a bit of breathing room for the ball handler, um, that's going to be a really important skill when you're playing with Anthony Edwards or even with Mike Conley, who's going to want to try and hit a floater every now and again. Just the ability to know when to fade into that dunker spot or to drift back to the perimeter, whatever that might be. For mine, it's the dunker spot, right? That's where he's much more comfortable. Um, so I I liked mine at Summer League. I thought he played very well. Um, relative to expectations, I maybe was hoping for a little bit more shooting the ball, a little bit more on the glass, frankly. Um, but in general, very good. And and some of the stuff that doesn't show up in the box score that I just listed off, I, I think was maybe most most encouraging. Okay, let's get into the most intriguing players. I've talked a ton about DJ Carton. I don't need to spend a lot of time on him now, but if you missed any of that, I think probably like three of the last four shows, I've talked a lot about DJ Carton. Um, he ended up playing the most minutes on the team in the final three games of the Summer League and and overall was second in terms of average or minutes per game average. Only nine points per game, 45.5% for the field, just 30% on threes, but got much better and more comfortable as Summer League wore on. Got to the line 3.6 times per game, which was fourth on the team. Uh, 67% at the line. Only a couple rebounds per game, but six, almost seven assists per game. 6.8 assists per game, two steals per game. He did lead the team in turnovers. Uh, my take on DJ Carton is he's extremely raw for somebody that's now been out of school for a couple of years, but he was raw coming out of school and he played two years in college and transferred after one season. Played his first year at Ohio State, then transferred and then entered the draft, wasn't drafted, spent last year with the Iowa Wolves of the G League and had a little bit of an up and down season. But his raw athleticism and his length, his anticipation defensively, his playmaking ability, the way he sees plays develop is clearly very, very, clearly very advanced. Um, Some of the hit ahead passes in transition are, you know, things that like you'd expect an NBA guard to do, but you don't always see it in summer league, right? Because guys are trying to they're trying to get theirs. They're trying to to make the flashiest play. And Carton did that at times, but I thought for the most part, there were some sloppy passes, but I thought his reads were good. I thought the athleticism popped. Um, 
a couple of dunks. Uh, that one block he had, and I think the second game of summer league that was just fantastic. Um, he tried to dunk on the first possession of the game the other night was was or the other afternoon, and and was spectacular even in the miss. Having that upside and, and yet also that defensive tenacity um, uh, uh, at the end of your bench would be pretty intriguing. And I know we spent last year with the Iowa Wolves. I don't know if that makes the Wolves more or less likely to sign up to a two-way. We'll talk more about that later this week. But I, I thought he was intriguing. Someone's going to put him on a two-way this year. I think he sees some NBA minutes for the first time in his career because he was, no, the numbers don't pop. If you didn't if you didn't watch Summer League, you'd be like, what are you talking about, Ben? This guy averaged nine points per game, 30% from three, three turnovers a game. DJ Carton has a lot of talent, and I, I like him as an NBA prospect, and I think he's going to kick around the league a bit here. Um, if he doesn't find a home quickly, I think there's going to be a lot of teams that are willing to take a flyer on him on some level. Perhaps it's the Wolves, but I thought he was fun to watch for sure and has a lot of upside. Uh, Ferran Hunt would be the other one, and I, I would say he's maybe more likely to get the two-way slot for the Wolves, and I'm just saying this based on what he did and the way the Wolves used him late in Summer League. He didn't play a whole lot early, but uh, he's another guy. Had a couple spectacular blocks. He averaged a block per game across the five contests, 18 minutes per game, eight points per game, 50% shooting, never attempted a three. Yeah, he's a wing, you know, big wing, small forward type guy, Um Super versatile defensively, can guard at least three positions, um, has the all the tools from a physicality standpoint to be effective defensively, and is a really, really sound cutter, uh, good screen setter, good at the glass, very good at the glass, actually. A, a decent offensive rebound rebounder, averaged two and a half offensive rebounds per game, um, ended up with like, I think he had uh, 10 or, or 12 offensive rebounds over the course of the five games. I guess 12 would, would probably be the right math there. Um, so he's more of like a, and I'm just saying this for the, for the sake of trying to compare him to a, a bigger body defender wing who didn't really hit threes. Uh, a, he's not, he's not Luel Dang. I want to be very clear about that, but that type of a player, right? A big defensive wing. Who's not doing some of the other stuff. I, now Dang handled the ball a bit more in the half court. I don't know that that's really Hunt's thing, but as a, as a cutter, as a, you know, somebody who, who knows where to be and when in the half court, you can set screens with him. You can do some of that stuff. And then very versatile defensively, big bodied wing. I like him as, as just kind of a tool to have in your toolbox, which is a weird way to say that maybe, but like a guy who you can go to as your third two way. If you just need somebody like, Hey, say you're down a, say Alexander Walker tweaks an ankle and, um, you know, uh, I don't know, Jaden McDaniels, if you're down one or two guys, somebody gets into foul trouble, like Ferran Hunt could go out there and guard someone at the end of a quarter and get a stop. I mean, he's a good defender. He's an NBA caliber defender. The question is, can he do anything with the ball in his hands positively on offense for him to do more than, uh, but again, I think he knows how to play a role and that's what's so encouraging or so intriguing, I guess, about him is I think he's, you know, he's an NBA bench guy, right? I'm not saying he's like a starter for anybody, but he's got, enough tools to be an NBA bench guy. And, and that's why I think he's got a shot at the last two-way deal for the Wolves. All right, uh, let's close today by talking about the duds. Uh, and then a couple of other questions that I had about the way the Wolves Summer League team was put together slash coached. So we'll get to all that here next. All right, closing out the Summer League conversation, the very last segment on the 2023 Las Vegas Summer League uh, here today, the, the player that I had kind of, earmarked as the guy I was most intrigued to watch. I had a list of what the show I did right before Summer League. I had three guys that I was most intrigued by. Um, and they were, number three was uh, Brandon Williams, who 
I just was interested to watch him. Pretty much exactly what I thought. We talked about him already today. Uh, Farron Hunt was number two. Exactly what I expected, and I maintain and I, I maintain my uh, level of intrigue with Farron Hunt. I, you know, six eight, seven foot wingspan, athletic, all that stuff. He's got an NBA future. Trevion Williams was my number one most intriguing to watch. I was excited about his size, how good of a rebounder and a passer he was. Um, you know, I I wanted to see what he looked like defensively, but I thought he could fit on offense. He was not very good in Summer League. The Wolves gave him the start in, I think, the first four games of Summer League. He started at center. He did play in all five, but he only saw three minutes in the last game. He was very disappointing. 13 minutes per game, only three points per game, shot 31% from the field, only took, I think, one or maybe two threes, but was primarily around the basket. Only three rebounds per game in the 13 minutes per game. Only had, like, two blocks over the five games. Turned it over quite a bit, you know, because he's a passer. He was trying to do a little bit too much when he had the ball in his hands. Like, hey, let me stay on the floor. Let me do some stuff. It was not It was not great. He did not look good. I don't think he's going to be a caliber player. I know we're talking about five games in like, I mean, what, like 60 minutes over the course of five games. So maybe that's not fair to, to him. But, I, you know, he needs some time in the G League. Just not a viable option like I was hoping he would be based on summer league play. So uh, I guess if we're gonna if we're gonna go with a dud of summer league, that's that's what I would uh, would go with. Um, the other one I guess would would probably be Javante Cook. Um, he was I think he was on the summer league team last year for the Wolves and played on the Iowa Wolves. And so I was hoping to see a little bit more from him. He saw a lot of run early in summer league and struggled. Then didn't see as much run in the middle of summer league, and then closed out. By having a really big game five, um, I don't have the numbers in front of me in terms of that game specifically. I think he had like 16 or 19 points. W- ended up being really, really solid in that last game of summer. Um, his overall like averages were not impressive. 16 and a half minutes per game, 39% from the field, 31% from three, only two rebounds per game, less than an assist per game. You'd want him to be more of a 3 and D type guy, and I don't think he looked really solid in any area except for a couple of nice plays in that last game. So Javante Cook, I guess, was a little underwhelming for me as well. I wanted to see a little more of Sam Wardenberg, the uh, former Miami University uh, shooter, 6'10 shooter, uh, played in Australia last year. I want He only got into, I think, one game. Wanted to see a little bit more from him. Wasn't really surprised. Oh, I wanted to see more of Chris Bankston, too. He's a 6'8 guy with 6'11 wingspan. I thought he could be kind of a, a steals and blocks athlete-type player. Um, he ended up playing, what were his numbers? He played in four games, nine minutes per game. Sure enough, he grabbed grabbed three rebounds per game in those nine minutes. So he and plus an assist and a steal per game and a half a block per game in only nine minutes. So I don't know why we didn't see more of Chris Bankston. I thought that was a miss. Uh, I would have preferred to see him over Javante Cook. I would have preferred to see him over Brian Bowen. Like he's good. We know what he is, right? Like Brian Bowen's a solid G League player, a decent depth guy. Like, you know, why? Why did we see nine minutes per game of Philip Wheeler over four games? I would have loved to see more Chris Bankston. Um, but uh, we'll see where he lands here for for the fall and um, in the G League, most likely. But where where he lands in the G League, if he's in Iowa or elsewhere. The last thing is really more related to roster construction. Why did the Timberwolves not have more shooters on their roster? The Wolves actually ended up in Summer League. They ranked uh, second to last in three-pointers made per game, 6.6 made threes per Summer League game in a, in a 
summer league in which there were teams Utah averaged Utah and Houston both averaged more than 14 three-point makes per game. That's almost two and a half, not quite two and a half times, but well over double the number of threes per game that the Bucks and Wolves had. Um, Percentage-wise, the Wolves had the fourth worst percentage of any team in summer league, 26.8% from three. And again, only six and a half three-point makes per game for the Wolves in summer league. In order to like really see what Leonard Miller could do with the ball in his hands, or really Brandon Williams too, I guess, would have been nice to see more floor spacers. And Javante Cook, I guess, in theory was that, but um, you know, none of the rest of the guys really were. Um, you know, even like a Chris Bankston, who I mentioned, he's not. Ferran Hunt is not. TJ Carton, you know, got there a little bit at the end of summer league, but that's not his type of role. Um, so that I think was an error on the part of the Wolves. Uh, front office staff putting together the roster. Coaching-wise, I would have wanted to see more Chris Bankston. I should also mention Wendell Moore Jr. I meant to mention him at the top. Uh, he missed a couple of games. He still ended up playing in three, and I thought it was kind of a mixed bag for him. He had some really nice moves, some nice plays, in like moments in time that were impressive. The overall numbers don't look good. 37% shooting, 29% from three, uh, three and a half assists per game to just two turnovers per game. Again, just three games for Wendell Moore Jr. Battled with, I think it was a sore knee maybe, um, and missed games, what did he miss, two and three, I think. So tough to get too much of a read on Wendell Moore Jr. I think he's got a tougher path to minutes, certainly a tougher path to minutes than Josh Minot this year. I talked about this the other day. That, I mean, the Wolves added Shake Milton and, and uh, Troy Brown Jr. for a reason. That Moore's not ready for regular minutes at the NBA level. So, um, you know, I, I would have wanted to see more more efficient scoring, more more efficient playmaking, but in general, I thought when he was on the floor, he was he was fine. All right, um, that's all we have for you today on the show. As I mentioned, we'll talk on Wednesday's show a little bit more about roster construction, where we're at, what the Wolves could do with their final spots uh, from a salary perspective, from a you know uh, a skill set perspective. What are they looking for? And then later this week, we'll get more into free agent signings, um, dig a bit more into the roster. We're daily throughout this week and next week, too. So make sure you're following and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. A big thank you to those of you that do make Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, you can find us anywhere. You can also watch on YouTube. You can watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Ian. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.